You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey Ross. Got some Seahawks players joining us in 15 minutes. Abe Lucas and Trey Brown back-to-back -back taking a look at offense and defense for the Seahawks team. We're going to start actually looking at defense for the Seahawks team because Dave Bump. They did not stop the run in this one. Josh Jacobs accounted for 300, over 300 yards from scrimmage, about 229 on the ground. It was another bad day against the run. Wyman, I'll start with you. Were you seeing some of the same problems you saw against Tampa? Did it look different? Were Tampa and, and the Raiders issues different from run you know, issues earlier this season? What are you seeing specifically with that? Yeah, I thought it was similar to kind of what was going on the first few games. Um, yeah, well... <sighs> I thought that they figured something out about the flow of the linebackers. I don't know if you guys saw Derek Carr, if he was going to hand off to his right, he would spin out to his left and a lot of times hold the ball out there and then turn all the way around and hand the ball off. And that happened on the last play of the game. Mm -hmm. And um, so what happened is, well, I mean, first of all, whenever it comes to the run, like if you're a defensive lineman, you cannot get turned. You can't get turned. You can't be sideways. You have to be square to the line of scrimmage. So that was, you know, one defensive tackle. And then uh, the backside linebacker just sucks up and, and fills in the backside gap. And then he's gone. The other thing was the safeties were just way back. You know, Josh Jones was like 15 yards deep. So, you know, there was just probably about three or four things that happened on that play. And that's kind of what was going on on every running play, you know, where somebody wasn't doing the, the right thing. And then also, and I'm not sure about the, the linebacker flow and their rules and everything, but I do think that, uh, that the Raiders were messing with that. Josh McDaniels is a really good coordinator. I mean, he's a head coach, obviously, but that guy can dial up runs. He knows football. And so there was something in the, the Seahawk run defense that he saw and exploited. Bump, are there, I mean, I'll, I'll ask Wyman too, because it's an even tougher question. Are there fixes? <laughs> what can you do between now and Sunday? Because you got a tough yeah. game against the Rams there's, who are struggling with the run, but. There's always ways to fix things. Make guys aware of that reverse pivot out that you're talking about with the quarterback. Um, more play recognition, right? On that play you're talking about where the backside linebacker gets sucked in. I'm like, okay, well, the fullback and the tailback is flowing to the right, recognize it earlier, scrape down the line of scrimmage and make a play. So it's all about watching film and learning tendencies. And whatever clues you can give yourself pre-snap mm -hmm. is going to help you. So you get your clues pre-snap, and then once the ball is snapped, believe in your cues and just fly to the football and make plays. Wyman, what do you think? Uh, I think, yeah, there are fixes. Um, you know, and this is the second week in, the, in a row where we've talked about uh, having a fullback means that there's an extra gap that you have. There's an extra blocker and therefore an extra gap. And that was the same thing that was going on in Tampa. They didn't have enough guys up in the box. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, that, that was a problem then, and it was a problem on that play. You know, so your safeties or your corner or somebody has to come up and, you know, be part of the run defense. And so, you know, they just blocked it beautifully. And then, you know, there's just a hallway of, I mean, I guess Jordan Brooks, I, every time we look at a, a big run like that, it's very rarely his fault. You know, he's usually doing the right thing on that one. I mean, I guess the coaching point would be you got to blow that that fullback up, just blow him up and knock him back into the running lane. And he took on the block and the guy's a big guy. And, you know, and that that part was fine. But, you know, maybe that could happen. <laughs> you know, you go up and just to me, I 
like even when I coached high school football, but this is how I played as a linebacker. The the first and foremost thing in the run is destroy the blocker, at least mm-hmm. try to, right? And a lot in the NFL, a lot of times, you know, there's a 320-pound guard and you're not going to destroy him, right. but you at least want to hold your ground. So, but then also, yeah, there weren't just, there just weren't enough guys up in the box for that run right there. I mean, and there was very old school and, you know, all the, People that want to try to reinvent football and run this offense and that offense. And I said this last huddle that watching the Raiders is like watching the 1990s NFL teams, you know, with the fullback. And I was the thinking end. of that during the game when uh, actually post game when Pete Carroll said we saw some of what we saw against Tampa. And then he mentioned just kind of like a classic look. And I was like, I wonder if this is what Wyman was saying. Yeah, I think so. But, you know, we never know. But um yeah, I, I feel like they, they just didn't have, uh, you know, the safeties didn't. And Josh Jones, I want to say, I think Ryan Neal got hurt the last play mm-hmm. of regulation or around then. Well, around then, in OT. Yeah. yeah, and so Josh was way back, and, you know, I don't know if he just wasn't up with, uh, you know, if you're a backup, you don't get a lot of reps in yeah. def- on uh, defense in the in the week of preparation. So, yeah, it was just very, I, I don't want to say they're simple fixes, but, I expect that now they understand that teams are going to try to run it on them if they don't have more guys up in the box. Bump, I have like a suspiciously simple question. Okay. Is that why the Seahawks lost on Sunday? Because they couldn't stop the run? Yeah. Most definitely. The run controls everything. You couldn't stop the run. You couldn't stop Josh Jacobs. He still had, what, 70-some yards off the backfield to receiving the ball. Uh, it was all about Josh Jacobs in that run. The run sets up everything. He did a decent job against Devontae Adams, seven catches, 74 yards. I mean, that's a slow day for him. Prior to that, he had back-to-back games with over 100 yards and a couple of touchdowns. So, no, they lost because you couldn't stop the run and then costly – turnovers right costly situations to where you feel like you're about to get back in this game offensively you're moving the ball down the field and then you fumble you got an interception um uh costly sack at the end of the game so it's all about um those those clutch moments and uh we failed to execute in those moments um you guys want to talk offense for a little bit we got a couple more minutes here i was getting into a little bit of a debate with someone who said well they would have won this game if if gino you know finishes off that drive in in overtime or we would have won this game if gino hadn't thrown a, a costly pick that led to points um for the raiders i thought I thought Gino played pretty well. Like I wasn't concerned much like leaving Tampa Bay when the offense was pretty bad through three quarters. I wasn't concerned about the offense leaving that game. I'm not concerned about the offense leaving this one. What do you guys think? Yeah, I guess I'm not either. Um, and it's mainly because I'm focusing so much on the defense, right? It's like, well, yeah. I can't be concerned about anything else. Cause there's a broken, uh, <laughs> like pipe over here exactly. with water bursting out of it. So I'm not paying <laughs> attention to a tiny leak. That's a good way to put that. Yeah. yeah it's uh, just uh, my, I could not take my eyes off this problem. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think, yeah, that's the one thing that we've all been waiting for is Gino to take them on a, you know, game winning drive. But, you know, you could say the same thing, I guess, on offense bump that, you know, the rushing game is just not what it used to be. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's not what it was for three or four weeks anyway. And Gino Smith was your second leading rusher uh, with 22 yards. You only had what, 26 from Ken Walker. So. <laughs> The run, folks, everybody wants to throw the ball away and, you know, around the yard and all that stuff. The and run, Talk folks. about it. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's uh, the run is 
it's the very first thing and it's what everybody wants to do. Yeah. You know, like the Raider offensive linemen, I'm sure were super fired up. You saw the Tampa Bay Buccaneer offensive line. They were like screaming at the sideline, like, let's go pound the rock. So, you know, I mean, that's first and in every defensive meeting room that I was ever in, it was always stop the run first. Stop the run first. So, I mean, it's just so much more simple. Everybody get in their gap. You know, at least try to uh, win your battle at the line of scrimmage. And uh, and if that, you know, and then we'll we'll take whatever they, they get as far as uh, passing the ball. But, you know, the Seahawks really haven't gotten beaten. You know, DeAndre Hopkins, remember going into that game against yeah. Arizona? We're all like, oh, they didn't have him the first time. He's going to be – he did have a touchdown and I think 36 yards or something. But otherwise. But other, yeah, Tariq Woolen covered him yeah. a couple of times. And so, you know, and then same thing with Devontae Adams. You know, there was some talk about how, well, the Seahawks went in and they were way too focused on Devontae Adams and they forgot about the run. That just doesn't happen in the NFL. You, you just don't forget about a guy. But you do have some people that you go, okay, this guy, what I always call somebody like Devontae Adams, he's an extra meeting guy. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have extra meetings about Devontae Adams. But that doesn't mean that we're going to go out there and just totally abandon all of our principles and run defense. That just doesn't happen. Well, no, and that's kind of what Pete Carroll was saying post game, right? Because I, I think that's what people were taking from it is like, oh, you were just paying attention to this player. And what he was saying nah. is, no, we – we went into this game knowing Devonte Adams has a ton of targets. He has over a hundred yards in each of his last three games. He's a huge factor for this team, right? Yeah. He is second in the league in, in total touchdowns uh, with 10 heading into this one. And so Pete and, and the team knew that they'd be a factor. And what he said was, if you account for one factor, sometimes you make yourself susceptible in other areas. So you take on a risk but it doesn't mean you don't know that Josh yeah. Jacobs is nearly a thousand yard rusher. Yeah, that gets exaggerated, right? And I'm sure that they had meeting an extra meeting about Josh Jacobs. Yeah. I mean, the guy's a fantastic player. So, yeah, I just don't think that's necessarily a thing. I think people want to categorize it and sort of connect the dots and make it right in their mind. Oh, why did they lose that game? Because they were paying too much attention to Devontae Adams. Well, no, that's not really. I mean, and, you know, they did hold him to a pretty good, decent, you know, seven for seven. Uh, 74 yards same thing with DeAndre Hopkins that we talked about and the receivers from uh, from Tampa but um, yeah that's just not really a thing that you just "Eh, we're not really going to work on the run this week all right I know we're curious to know how the offensive line is feeling after this one so we're going to bring on Abe Lucas he joins us next you are listening to the huddle with Dave Wyman Michael Bumpus and Stacey Ross all right enough of this loss to the Raiders I'm over it I'm ready to move on I mean we'll we'll talk about it a bit with Abe Lucas when he joins us in just a couple minutes let's look ahead to the Rams bump I'll start with you where is their opportunity here to get right? I don't want to call it a get right game. It's disrespectful. The Hawks, you mean? We don't want the Rams to get right. The, right? No, an opportunity. I don't want a <laughs> okay. Cam Akers game. I, I don't want the Van Jefferson game. <laughs> I'm glad you cleared that up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, the Hawks get right. They need to establish the run once again. Easier said than done because when you look at the Rams, they are pretty good against the run. They are fourth giving them 97 yards per game. But Aaron Donald's not going to be there. And you know that they're going to make a – well, at least I feel like they're going to make it a, a point of emphasis just to get Ken Walker going early, um, just to see what this offensive line is made of. Um, both both need a bounce-back game. O-line needs to play better. Running backs need to play mm-hmm. better. This is the game to do it. So establish the run against the fourth-best run defense in the league. Dave, what do you see from L.A.? 
Yeah, they're not. That's the one thing they're good at, right? Is stopping yep. the run. That's pretty I much mean, it. Yeah, and you look at the offense; they're bottom of the of the league. So, yeah, but you know, that's that's the thing. I think uh, you know to just sort of uh, pile on what Bump is saying that you know, that's the one thing. If you know they're not good at that, but you know they also have some really good players. If you look at uh, some of the guys that are down inside, uh, Greg Gaines is a really good mm-hmm. player. Obviously, Aaron Donald <laughs> is out. Leonard Floyd. Uh, I know. I see that Ernest Jones is questionable, but um, yeah, I mean Bobby. They've got some great players on their defense, and I think you know Taylor Rapp, J- Jalen Ramsey. You've got to you've got to get that run game back. The whole thing should be on the ground. I mean, I think that's the theme of the week is run game and we'll get Abraham in here who I think really loves to most offensive linemen do they love to run block and um, you know if they can establish that first and foremost then you know I I think everything else will take care of itself I wonder if there's an opportunity here for the pass rush to get going a little bit we will have Jordan Rodriguez of the athletic on a bit later today for an opponent preview but um, she has the stat that there have been 11 iterations of the Rams offensive line in 11 games (laughs) it's not good not good but to me it also opens up the door for the Seahawks pass rush to get going after what's been a quiet two games. Yeah, that offensive line, and that's the most in the league, um, that combination, 11 uh, combinations. 11 and, and 11, 11 games. And so you're like you're lining up, and you're looking to your left or your right, saying, all right, who we got today? Yeah, nice all to right, meet you. Uh, let's Bobby My down there. Okay, all right. <laughs> this is what we do on zone right. This is how we're going to block this. <laughs> like, if there's a unit that's the most cohesive, it has to be that offensive line because there's so many double teams and climbing to that second level and pin and pull. Like, those guys got to be on the same page. I look at the receivers. They do, too, because you got to mess with spacing. But if the old line, if they're not moving together, then there's there's a lot more room for error. So it's a uh, it's difficult, man. It's, it's not it's already a hard position to play. You get no love, and now you don't know who's going to start be starting mm-hmm. with you every single week, man. It's just a recipe for disaster. Yeah, I have to say that's the one, and and it's like that in the locker room too. That the offensive linemen always a really tight group, but that's the one position group where you most have to have time spent together, right? Mm-hmm. And know each other, know what they're going to do. So, and I feel like these uh, these guys and like Abraham Lucas, he's coming in here in a few minutes here. He's not a rookie anymore. This guy's now a veteran. He's been, you know, playing enough games where, you know, I feel like those guys have a, a really good thing going. And there's been, you know, we're kind of looking at um, some of the teams that we've played. We talked about this yesterday. Like we've played three teams who have had kicker problems. Yeah. You know, uh, I think one of them it may have been to their advantage. The other two, probably not. Uh, the one being um, when Arizona came in here, they yeah. went for it on fourth <clears> down. <throat> Four times, three times, really. But uh, fourth was a, what was at the end of a game where they were just desperation going for it on fourth down. But um, and yeah, but, but you, you look at uh, as far as the offensive line here goes, I feel like it's been a pretty solid, tight group. Mm-hmm. I mean, every once in a while, Phil Haynes will have to plug in. He's great. He's done really well. And so, yeah, there's not been a lot of missed snaps by the offensive line here. And you can see the difference between, you know, the Seahawk offensive line and the Ram offensive line. Abe's on his way over right now, so he'll pop in any minute. But this feels like such an elementary thing to say. I have to stress it, though. The Rams run issues aren't there is a very positive correlation between we've had all these problems up front and we're really struggling with the run. Is there a correlation that you guys see between the Seahawks struggles on the ground and maybe recent struggles with the offensive line here in Seattle? Uh, Or is it just different circumstances? I I see guys making plays. I see NFL players out there playing football. You know, I see 
a line that's gone through a, a two-game stretch where, you know, they struggled a bit. I see a young running back who's still trying to figure out maybe two or three yards running forward is okay and it's, yeah. and it's falling forward. So I see what happens throughout a year on an offense. At some point of the year, something's going to sputter a little bit, and you got to try to figure it out. Unless you're having a season like Derrick Henry with 2,000 yards or Dickerson back in the day with 2,000, 2000 yards, like – Things like this are going to happen, and when you re- when you're relying on a lot of young guys, especially, um, it's probably uh, the chances of things like this happening go up. Well, and the other thing too, the longer you go through a season, what are we six and five right now? Mm-hmm. Rams are three and eight. You, you get these coaches that sit in rooms for hours, hours. and they're figuring things out, mm-hmm. right? They're figuring out oh, when you know what little tendencies, and that's why. You know, during the bye week, we always talk about self-scouting, that you, you try to go and look at things. What am I tipping? What am I giving away? You know, what are uh, what are teams trying to do to us? So that's why there's so, kind of some confusing games every once in a while where you're like, how in the world did that team beat that team? Yeah. Well, they figured something out, and, and, and they, they worked that. Oh. All right. Abe Lucas joining us now. We're going to uh, – spend maybe a minute or two talking about uh, this past game, but a lot of talk about just the offensive line and the offense in general this year. Abe, welcome in. How are you feeling? I'm great. How are you guys doing? It, was it a yeah, tough yeah. week for you? You were you were dealing with an illness for it a while, was, entered the game sick? It was difficult. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it was a tough one. Yeah. Your flu game. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Did, do you uh, like uh, kind of feel like when you get sick and you're you're down a little bit that you have to like play a little bit harder, a little bit more intense, focus a little bit more. I've seen some sometimes like Ryan Neal threw up uh, before a game and, and down with the Chargers, and then he goes out and gets a pick, has like eight game, or, uh, eight tackles. You kind of feel that way? I mean, yeah, I just tried to do the best I could with it. Um, I mean, it was all out of routine. I was all out of whack. Uh, so, I mean, what do you do? But, you know, try to do the best you can with it. Yeah. Once I want to say, hard week for us Cougs, you know what I'm saying? We lost the cup, mm-hmm. but it's all good. Um, <laughs> Why'd you have to bring that up, Mike? Hey, because he's <laughs> my, he's my cook, so we gotta, if you need somebody, I got you, Abe, because it's I been a rough you. week for me. You I know thought it was I mean? a great week. I'm sure you did, Stacey. <laughs> um, but, yeah, man, so uh, coming into this week, uh, you guys have a chance to play against the Rams. I'm sure you growing up in this area, you know that for some reason the Rams always play well um, against the Seahawks. When you look at them on film, what are you seeing? Um, I mean, the record really doesn't dictate, uh, I think, how good they are and how hard they play. I mean, they've dealt with a lot of uh, adversity in terms of injuries and such, but they're still, at least defensively, they're very, a very solid front. And, you know, they have a lot of really, really good players, you know, so it's going to be a good challenge. We've been talking a bit about um, what it might be like hitting a, a rookie wall because, right, the season's so much shorter in college. Do you feel your body reaching any kind of level where you're like, okay, now i got to catch that second wind a little bit? Or do you feel good? Uh, I mean, I feel all right. Um, didn't last week, but uh, <laughs> I feel well enough. Well, blame that on illness yeah. and not a not a rookie wall. I mean, uh, the way I looked at it was after bye week, I was like, okay, seven guaranteed games left and the playoffs. I can do that, you know, and just kind of <laughs> try to go with it as much as possible. It's kind of nice, too, not having to, like, go to class and stuff. Like, yeah. your whole deal is football, yeah. right? Yeah. So um, a, a couple of uh, some of the guys that you went up against, uh, I was watching the New Orleans game particularly where – Davenport tried to bull rush you and you kind of dropped your your weight and you know just handled him so you went up against him you went up against Khalil Mack you you I mean you're as an offensive tackle you're facing some of the best players in the NFL they have Cam Jordan in that game so uh, who's been you know has it 
Has it been kind of like one of those things where you're looking at those guys in awe or are you just going, that's number 65 or that's number 72? I'm not paying attention to them. Uh, well, I mean, I recognize, obviously, who they are. I mean, how can you not? But at the same time, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm out there to do a job too, you know. And so I view it more as a really good challenge for me just to compete against the best, and that's what you want, you know. So, I mean, granted, it's the first, it's the first year, right? So, but... It's even better, you know, to just test, like, how far I am against, uh, you know, future Hall of Famers. Yeah. It's been a, a long season so far, 11 games in. When you look at yourself week one, you compare yourself uh, to week what are you in, 12 right mm -hmm. now, to week 12. <clears throat> uh, what do you feel like you've gotten better at? Uh, just trying to get better uh, more at, like, mechanics of things more than anything else. Um, and, you know, if, if looking at, like, the Denver game, guess up until now it's like you could see visible improvement or at least I can you know and then obviously there's still things I'm continuing to improve on um, so I mean not to get into it too deep but just like footwork and like run mechanics and pass mechanics and such. Um, it is customary for the quarterback to get his offensive line gifts for the holidays. Have you been dropping hints to no. Gino? Maybe leaving some <laughs> you know kind of like you know how we used to do with our parents like you know maybe you cut out like a toy catalog circle little things <laughs> leave it in his locker just dropping some ideas past you, Abe. No, 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 no. Um, <laughs> don't know if a rookie can get away yeah, with that one. Yeah, I don't one. think I've earned that right yet. All right, that's fair. <laughs> I just take what I can get. All right, well, way to hang in there this past week. We are very glad you're feeling better, and thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. All right, he is Seahawks offensive lineman Abe Lucas, kind enough to join us. This is The Huddle. Don't go anywhere. You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, Stacey Ross, and joining us now, Trey Brown. Trey, it's great to see you back out there. How are you feeling? Feeling good. Um, I'm feeling very positive. I mean, I'm always a positive person, but uh, I feel really up on a higher end than normal. So uh, it's a good feeling. Good. Uh, you know, last year, you were the one guy I thought, like, in a long time that sound, did not sound like a rookie. Like, we just had Abraham Lucas in there, and he was, he was like, very mature. We were like, if you didn't know any better, you'd think Abe Lucas was, like, 30 years old. <laughs> but you last year, in the particular, this is one thing that really stood out to me. After the Pittsburgh game, you were interviewed, and the way you explained what happened on the field, you know, you were talking about they caught it, then there was a blocker and this, so I knew this guy was going to do that. That's very impressive to me, especially, you know, for for a rookie. And have you always just been kind of a football junkie, or is, like, does football just make sense to you? You just clicks for you? Because the way you talk through it, it seems like you understand the game pretty on a high level. I feel like it just honestly made sense to me. You know, in a way where it's like you never know what's going to happen out there. And so it's like you got to make – you and your teammates got to work with each other. That somebody's got to be right. You know, if someone's wrong, you know what I'm saying, we're all going to be wrong together. You know, so if you don't do something, then I'll take your – I feel like I, it's right for me to take your position. And on that, that, that particular play, it was just honestly like, you know, we had the, you know, the quarters coming. So we're supposed to have someone out, quarter flat player. And like I told you, I saw um, Dunlap rush, which is I know Ben Roethlisberger can't he can't scramble, and so everything's <laughs> quick. Everything got to get out fast, and I know he's not going to get out the pocket. So I seen I knew they was going to have a guy in the flat, and so I had to go make that play. And it was just as for me, it's always been an understanding of the game. Yeah, it just seems like it just totally makes sense to you. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, usually, because for me, when I played, I was like, uh, I would be like a blur. And then somebody, what'd you do? I'm like, I have no idea. Like, I have to go and watch it on film. I went on vibes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's how it is. Yeah. I was, I was watching you on special teams, man. And you're flying down there. You're playing with some passion. How was it just to, to get back out there and do what you've been doing your, your whole life? Man, it felt, it felt really good. You know, I had, 
had it that day was kind of emotional you know uh mm. you know i'm really not a a guy who typically lives in their you know their feelings but on that day i i could say i was definitely in my feelings you know just by everything that i went through right you know and uh just going out there just happy to be out there flying you know just dying to make a play you know it was just like yo this is i didn't some people counted me out didn't think i'd make it back from that injury you know i see all the time that uh you know, oh, that's an injury that no one really comes back from. So that was really, like, a goal of mine, you mm -hmm. know, just to prove people, not necessarily just prove people wrong, but, you know what I'm saying, challenging myself to do it. Well, and th the medicine has gotten so much better around it, where it did used to be a thing where it was like, that guy might not play again, he might not have burst. And then you've seen guys, you know, even here in Seattle, both Jimmy Graham and Will Disley came back from that one and Graham didn't miss another game. Will's obviously had great seasons and, and you've looked great so far. You've played limited snaps because they're trying to get you back into it. Off air, we were talking about, you know, you had had some, some issues with the tendon before, you hadn't had surgery. Do you feel even better now? Like, do you feel almost like now I finally feel 100%? I definitely, you know, uh, there were times where I was like, you know what, you know, me talking to Mo all the time and he's like, you know, everything is fine now. It's just about trusting it, yeah. you know? And that was the biggest thing for me was just like trusting my knee, you know, trying to get over that trauma. But um, I definitely feel a lot better, you know, and um, I'm going to feel a, a lot even, uh, even, even a lot better next year because, you know, you go through those, even though you feel great, you know what I'm saying? You don't, I talk to a lot of veteran guys, you don't really start feeling, you know what I'm saying, normal, normal yeah. until the next year. Tell us about that defensive back room. Um, are you guys all together or is it corners and safety split up? We're all together. Yeah. Definitely. So, I mean, it seems like everybody's kind of like you. Um, you know, Michael Jackson sat behind people for a long time, you know, in the league. And then, you know, you've got young guys in there. And it seems like a, a really cool group of guys. I mean, it's uh, it's pretty a lot of youth. Right. But Definitely. Yeah, tell us about uh, the sort of the personalities, some of the personalities, who's sort of the leader. I know Quandre is kind of grumpy, you know, and sometimes he'll... Grumpy? He's a, he's a grumpy old man. Yeah, yeah. you, you could tell Quandre is definitely like, you know, he's the oldest guy, so he's definitely yeah. the alpha in that. But, you know, he has a, he's very, he's a funny guy. You know, yeah. he's going to speak his mind, you know what I'm saying, nine times, ten times out of ten. I wouldn't even say nine times out of ten. Eleven. Yeah, he's going <laughs> to speak his mind regardless, but... You know, you got, he's he's very funny. You got Reek, you know, who's a really laid back, funny guy. You know what I'm saying? Me, you know, I'm just chill. And then you got to, it's just like, we're all so different, but we mesh perfectly. You yeah. know, we're young. We're trying to all figure it out, but we're all trying to, you know, create, create something within ourselves. How, how many times a day do you think Tariq says, shoot? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. You know, it's just, just listening to him. If you really pay attention, he talks so slow. You know, yeah. and it's like, man, you, you really got to dial in and listen to what you're talking about. But, man, that's, that's my guy, man. He's just funny. Oh, he's great. <laughs> Seattle's a long way from Oklahoma, man. Uh, how's, it, how's it been out here? How you adjusting? Has the family been out to visit you yet? Uh, yeah, my family's coming to the games last year. You know, when I tore my knee, my family, my family was out here, you know, mm -hmm. taking care of me. And um, But I say um, Seattle's a lot different from, which is the Midwest or the South, you would say, mm -hmm. you know. When I say different, you know, you just got, like, the food is different. You know, like, in Oklahoma, we really don't have anything but plains. You know, yeah. like, just like the, the area. And then mm -hmm. out here, you got grass, water, all different types <laughs> types of things that you can enjoy. You know, and so I, that's the positive. But I'd say the only negative is out here is just hard trying to find food out here. My taste yeah. buds. Is there a food that you miss? Like a food that either genre, style, dish? Uh, I'm a hibachi guy. You know, and so um, we got a good hibachi spot in Oklahoma. 
but it's like it's hard. I, I I've been to like six and five. And trying like, to find it. I'm trying to get to one. It's like that's similar to that one. It's yeah. like I need to stop trying to compare it because maybe that's why I'm not enjoying it. You might just yeah. need to be like, you know what? I will go home and have that in the off season, and I'll find something different here that I can't find anywhere else but here. It, that might be the only answer. Of course, when I was hurt, we was I was hitting the hibachi spot like four times a week. <laughs> I would have gained fifty pounds. So did you find a, find a good place finally uh, out here? Uh, I'm still eating fast food chains, you know, chick, chick Chipotle, you know, stuff like that. Trey's Pizza. living that you know, twenty-something year old right? body life. <laughs> we, we can we can uh, enlist our texters to text in like a good hibachi spot. Definitely. I well, I'll do that during our show later today, or they can do it now during I would the hospital. Yeah. Enjoy that. Yeah, see if we can get you on the right path. There. Definitely. Right. Um, do you, uh, you may not be able to tell us, do you expect to see a few more snaps this week against the Rams? I mean, um, I'm just, I'm just, I'm taking it one day at a time. It's a veteran Honestly. answer. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, you got to take it one day at a time. You know, um, I'm just practicing, trying to be better than what I was yesterday. So whatever works out, works out. And I'm happy with whatever it is. Because like I said, I haven't, haven't played in a year, so. Anything is better than nothing. So um, Cooper Cup's out. <laughs> Allen Robinson's out. When you look at this uh, this receiving core for the Rams, what do you see? I still have a good. Um, I still have a pretty good receiving core. You know, of course, you got Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson, who are like in the league of their own, obviously. You know, uh, but you can't underestimate anyone because you know that's how you get beat. And so you got to respect your opponent, you know. And um, I feel like these guys can definitely compete. You know, they got uh, Jefferson out there, Van Jefferson, who yeah. I was a fan of watching him perform in the Senior Bowl, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, I was really paying attention to that. And then I've also played against one of their guys, uh, number 18, who went to Notre Dame. We was both at the Senior Bowl. And so, uh, man, they just, they still got a group of, they got a group of young guys as well over there. And it's going to be pretty fun. All right. He is Trey Brown, kind enough to join us for the huddle. Trey, uh, you may just be grateful for any opportunity. We hope that we see you more out there. We're happy to have you back here and uh, and have fun, man. I'm, I, I think that, you know, you probably touched a lot of listeners talking about how emotional it was to return. So everyone happy to see you back out there. Thanks for taking the time. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. All right. This is The Huddle. Don't go anywhere. You are listening to The Huddle. Geno Smith speaking with reporters now. We'll take you there live. You want to talk to your, go to your cleats? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, well, I guess we'll start off that way. So. These are uh, the My Cause, My Cleats. Um, here you see the Seven Sunday Heroes, which is my foundation. Um, I've had it for over 10 years now. And uh, really what it is is continuing to give back to the community. Uh, you know, for years now, we've, um, you know, invited, um, you know, people to the home games, um, you know, underprivileged kids, uh, special needs, um, you know, kids who may be needing a mentor, uh, you know, I've always had a heart for philanthropy, and uh, my mother, my grandmothers uh, are also a part of this, um, a- along with the extended hands, which is something that we've uh, we've done back home in Miami, Florida, and all throughout South Florida. So uh, every stop that I've gone, every team that I've been on, uh, I've continued uh, to, to carry that out. And uh, really, man, like I said, it's just to continue to give back, uh, be a part of the community, uh, continue to reach out, uh, be a helping hand, uh, be there for people, trying to uh, just help out in any way that I can. And uh, I'm really just blessed to be in this position to be able to give back, and I appreciate it. Is there special significance to Red? Uh, well, I had no control over the actual artwork, but I, I, these are sweet. I love the, the you know, the red, and, uh, you know, it's got the, 
you know, like the silver finishings right there with the, uh, you know, with the foundation's name on it. And so uh, I didn't pick it out exactly, but I'm very happy with it. And, uh, you know, God did a great job. Do you get to interact with the kids that come to the games, so pregame or anything? Yeah, uh, so we try and uh, get them there for pregame. I'm, I'm not always able to find them. Uh, it's a huge crowd, but after the game for sure. Uh, and then we always continue to uh, just keep keep track with them. Um, you know, dating back from my time with the Jets, uh, I've had, uh, you know, people that I've, been, um, you know, brought to the games who have gone on to college and have gone on to do great things and have, uh, you know, texted me. And we've stayed in communication and uh, they've continued to express their gratitude. Uh, and I've done the same for them. And so uh, we try to continue to reach out and, and give back. And uh, we want to really see these guys and, and girls uh, blossom and just be great. And if we can be a mentor or a friend or a helping hand, um, just trying to help them grow up and be the best they can be. Foundation, is there one particular story that made more of an impact than any other on you, like one that stands out? Uh, I'll say there's a, a young girl by the name of uh, Lisa, um, and when I was on the Giants, we invited her to the game, and randomly, you know, like I said, I get calls and texts from, um, you know, the people that we, we've brought to the games, and randomly we'll get calls and FaceTime, and, and they'd all be, you know, either giving me good news about where they are in life or... Um, just, you know, having a chance to chat. And uh, Lisa told me she had uh, went to Harvard. And, uh, I mean, I thought that was huge. And, you know, she just called and, and texted me and, and was congratu not congratulating, but was, was saying thank you. And I was congratulating her on her success. And, uh, you know, she really just continues to reach out. And now I think she's doing something in tech and she's doing a, a, phenomenal, a phenomenal job um, at, at just continuing to grow and grow. And so uh, that's one in specific, but they all mean uh, the world to me. And I look at them all like family members or, you know, a part of the community I was in back home. And so uh, I was raised by people who were giving back, and I feel like, uh, you know, it's something that I enjoy doing. What, uh, when, did you, when did she get into Harvard? When was that? This might have been two or three years ago. This is like my first or second year here. Yes. Mm -hmm. And she called and said that she had got in. Yeah, she had, she had been accepted, and uh, she was going up there. And then uh, we, we stayed in contact. And now she's doing tech. Uh, she's about to graduate. And you said she went to a – you invited to her game when you were with the Giants. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, you said you were raised by people who gave back. In what ways did your mom or grandmother raise you give back? Yeah, uh, my mother uh, – you know, it really started with my grandmother. Uh, you know, she – didn't make the most money. You know, she worked at a cafeteria. And uh, we grew up in, um, you know, Miami, Florida. Um, you know, it wasn't always the best place uh, as far as financial uh, status. But my grandmother would, you know, come back home from school and tell me stories about how, you know, some of the kids, you know, they might have came to school hungry or were, were going home and didn't have food at home. And she would either take food from, you know, from our house, bring it to them, or she would give her, give food from the cafeteria for them to take home. She'd give them extra uh, lunch and things like that. And then, um, man, I just remember her coming back with those stories and just telling me how, like, you know, it, it really helped those kids out and how their parents would come to the school and thank her. And, um, you know, I was raised by my grandmother and my mother, and my mother continued to do that. Um, she does that back home right now with extended hands, and uh, she also does uh, Parents Without Partners, which is uh, her way of giving back to the community, the single fathers and mothers. Um, she does, uh, she gives out clothes, diapers, um, helps them get job, uh, helps, helps them with their job applications to get jobs, uh, just continuing to, you know, give food, and we, you know, we do back-to-school drives, uh, we do Thanksgiving, Christmas, you know, all the holidays, and so 
my mother has done a phenomenal job back home. Uh, you know, that's really what she's known for uh, down there in Miami and South Florida. She's known for her philanthropy and giving back. And uh, it's something that, you know, obviously it rubbed off on me. And I just want to make her proud by doing the same. What is your mother's name? Uh, Tracy Sellers. And that was, uh, did your grandma work at a high school, middle school, eventually? It was uh, Bunch Park Elementary School, yeah, uh, Opelaka, Florida. Have you noticed, Gino, that now that you're starting again, that your platform is higher and people listen to you and you, you want to take advantage of that platform to do things like that? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, you know, I really think it's important. You know, I think... Uh, you know, it's something that, you know, we, we all have to be mindful of. You know, the platform that we have, um, the words we say, uh, the things we do, they all reflect not only on ourselves but on our community. And so we've got to be, you know, extremely mindful of it and use it uh, to be beneficial. And so the platform is, is great to have, but uh, if you don't use it in the right way, then I think it goes to waste. And so um, always just trying to be, you know, that, that pillar in the community, um, that person that people can look up to for the right things. My apologies if you've already been asked about Aaron Donald not playing. I know that that's a big piece of their defense. He's not the only one, though, that makes it a tough front. What else do you see across that front seven? Yeah, I mean, obviously Aaron's, uh, you know, been a generational player since he's gotten to the league. Um, you know, one of the best defenders in the game, uh, if not of all time. And so with him not being there, there's, uh, you know, definitely, um, you know, something missing. But what they have is uh, still have a Super Bowl defense, man. You talk about Jalen Ramsey. The addition of uh, of Bobby Wagner, who we know, you know, and love. Um, talk about Leonard Floyd up front. Um, Gaines has been, you know, doing a great job uh, for them. And then they got a bunch of guys, man. This is the NFL. All these guys are talented. Um, they got a great scheme, great uh, D coordinator and Raheem Morris. And so they're going to come with some great things. And although Aaron's not out, um, we expect them to still be physical, uh, still play the same style and, uh, you know, try and get after us up front. And so... Um, they got a solid back end, um, you know, a lot of veteran guys, and we just got to be on top of our game and make sure we execute and uh, get the ball out. They're secondary. They, they're in the top 10 for receptions, a lot of receivers, but they're near the bottom of the league for explosives. Mm -hmm. Where are you seeing from Jalen Ramsey and the rest of that secondary? Yeah, they're a, a very stingy defense. They don't give up a lot of big plays in the pass or the run game. Um, they got, like I said, great players all over the place. Uh, they've been doing a great job at, you know, kind of bend but don't break style, but they're great in the red zone, great at getting uh, forcing turnovers. And so for us, man, just got to be, you know, on it. Every single play, can't take a playoff, um, can't have any mistakes or, or mental lapses, and then we can't shoot ourselves in the foot um, because they're that good. You know, they're going to make it hard on us. Every single play, every pass is going to be contested. Uh, and so we got to make sure we're protecting the football first. I'm getting the ball out fast, uh, protecting our linemen. And then uh, we're moving the chains and scoring in the red zone when we get our opportunities. That was Geno Smith. Coming up next on The Huddle, we are going in the trenches with Ray Roberts. You are listening to The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, Stacey Rost, and joining us now, Ray Roberts. So let's go in the trenches. Uh, Ray, I, I'm most curious. Well, I, I'd love to ask you a lot of different questions, but I do have to start with the offensive line. Have you seen struggles in the last two games? Do you think, you know, that that's been behind maybe a failure to get the run really going? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, in the Tampa Bay game, I just think they started the game out uh, with the wrong mindset. They were doing a lot of like uh, fly sweep and trying to get mm -hmm. to the edge. And, and this offensive line really, uh, you know, you know, builds their hay getting downhill, running, getting real vertical with the running game and creating double teams at the point of attack. And they got away from that against Tampa Bay. Then it just, the game just got to where they, they just could not get back to it. And then 
last week, um, man, the center had a really tough time. Uh, he had a really tough, it was the worst game he's had since he's been here, but uh, the guard, the center and the guard, they have to win in order for uh, this running scheme to work. They have to get vertical push uh, so that then it opens up lanes to either, you know, to, to take the front side a gap or the back side a gap uh, with that kind of split zone run running that they do. And then the other part of it too, is uh, I do think some of the, uh, rookiness, if you want to call it that, of Kenneth Walker kind of has shown up too. Sometimes you have to just take those two or three yards that are there. Like every run can't be a home run. And I think that was one of the lessons that uh, that Rashad Penny had to learn. Like once he learned that, like, you know, hey, let me get these three or four yards right here. I can bounce it the next time. Or, you know, later in the game, I'm setting it up to bounce it to the outside. I think Kenneth Walker has to kind of do the same thing. I love his style. I love the patience that he shows. But sometimes when they, when it's tough getting yards, you just got to get those three yards and call it a day and line up and do it again. Yeah, those two tackles, Andrew Billings and Bilal Nichols, they were having a day, man. I, those, yeah. Those weren't two guys that I thought would show up. And um, it, we were just talking to Abe Lucas, Ray. I think you've talked to him before. Um what uh, he, he was talking about his illness and everything out there, and uh, it, it was interesting. Um, he seems like he's thirty years old. The way the way that he speaks, his maturity level, just everything. It, it, there's no way you'd ever think he's a rookie. Just tell us about what you think uh, he's so far. How he's he's done. I'm a I'm a I mean I've said it time and time again. I'm a huge fan of Abe Lucas. Like I said when I when I reviewed this film. Uh, his college film, I didn't really see this dude that showed up, but uh, but I'm glad that he's a guy that showed up for the Seahawks. And, you know, you, he's probably a little bit under the weather last week, but, man, Max Crosby is a freaking beast, dog. Like, this dude has so many uh, tricks in his bag. It, it had to be the toughest, you know, matchup that, he, that Abe has had, you know, all season because the guy can rush with power. He can rush with speed. He has quickness. He He does – he's not a very big dude, but he plays with, like, really good leverage. And so I think, you know, when, when he was setting up his pass rushes, uh, probably something that Abe just hasn't really had to deal with, you know. And then, you know, on that one play where uh, you're waiting for the tight end uh, to give you the tip uh, at the end of the game and people were saying, like, oh, man, you're audible to a different pass protection. Well, they had the right pass protection. <laughs> like, normally in that situation, the, the, the tight end will set a little bit further to the outside, causing the, the defender to rush inside. And so you're sitting inside waiting for him. And so all of a sudden that doesn't happen. So the guy has the corner. I can remember, uh, I think, honestly, I think I may, may have given up two sacks to, to uh, Derek Thomas. And one of them was the fullback was supposed to chip him on the outside. So I'm sitting on the inside. And so I'm sitting, sitting, sitting. The chip never came. And, uh, and Derek Thomas went right to the quarterback. So uh, Abe was sitting where he was supposed to be sitting. The tight end didn't quite execute the block the right way, and that's, that resulted in the sack at the end of the game. Big Ray, the last couple of weeks, this team has struggled to run the ball. Is there something you can do during the week to, to get the game going? Are there, there phrases that you can do? How, how, do you, how do you get this thing going again? Uh, I think you just got to get back to uh, just really doing what you do and just really like locking in on like really studying the film and saying like, you know, maybe, you know, sometimes people think of the the offensive line is just, hey, whoever's the strongest dude is going to win the battle. But a lot of times 
it comes down to footwork. It comes down to pad level. It comes down to angles that you're taking. It comes down to your hand placement. There's a lot of technicality into trying to be a really good run blocker more than just being the strongest dude on the field. So you have to look at all those, all of those little things. And then, honestly, I think Gino said it best when he said uh, that we're not hunting anymore, that we're the hunted. So now you have this reputation of being a really good running, running team and a really good offensive line. You can't just go out there and ease into the game. You you have to be the tone setters. And in the last two games, uh, the opposing team's defensive line has, has been the tone setters, and then you're trying to adjust to that. So you have to uh, – to me, you know, with, with uh, Aaron Donald not been in this game and with some of the injuries they have, this is a get-right game for this offensive line. I know they have games who's a really good defensive, defensive lineman, and Floyd is giving us trouble with the pass rush from time to time. But this is a time to get re – uh, grooved with this running game and come out from the start, uh, been the tone setters uh, in the trenches. Um, when you have you ever as an offensive lineman, because the the Rams are pretty solid against the run. Bump was detailing some of those stats a bit earlier in the show for listeners. Um, have you as an offensive lineman as a group ever faced a defense where you were like, oh my god, nothing we're doing is working? And and what do those defenses do well when they can stop the run? Well, normally when they can stop the run, they have at least one dude that's just kind of it's just kind of hard to block him by yourself. Like I can remember back in the day playing against like the Philadelphia Eagles when they had Clyde Simmons and Reggie White, and like it was just like you, you just weren't going to go anywhere against that defensive <laughs> line. You know what I'm saying? And so you just had to get what you could get. But uh, the the thing the thing that you have to do though is uh, you have to be willing to do what your game plan is longer and more efficiently than they're willing to do their game plan. Hmm. And so usually that's, that's a war of wills. Like it's a war of, I want it more than you want it for longer than you want it. And so when, so when you're playing against uh, defensive lines like that, that's the attitude that you have to have. But then the other part of it too is, you know, um, I, I really think like when this offense isn't really utilizing the, the tight ends, it kind of shuts down the whole offense. And so I think using the tight ends to be part of the extension of the running game, kind of loosening up defenses, kind of slowing down the linebackers so that they're not, you know, attacking the double teams and things like that. Those are different ways you can kind of loosen up that defensive front to start trying to find ways, some lanes to run the ball. So I think it's, it's more than just, hey, the offensive line has to uh, be bigger and stronger or the running back has to, uh, hit the whole, you know, just get the yards. It also has to be the other elements of your offense that help loosen up the defense to allow you to run the ball. Hey, Ray, uh, playing against Bobby Wagner, I'm just curious, as an offensive line, like you've watched his game over the years and, you know, probably seen him play a little bit uh, this year. As an offensive lineman, what would you – what's your assessment uh, of Bobby? He's obviously a great player. He makes plays all over the field. But as far as like blocking him and, and things like that, yeah. how do you approach that? Well, I think Bobby is at the point of his career where uh, like he is more of a, I don't want to say a finesse player, but he, he avoids the physical contact. And so I would, if I was an offensive lineman, I would be trying to get in his grill as early in his office as, as I could. He's, you know, he's not uh, uh, the, the strongest, fastest as he's, as, as he's been in the past, obviously. And so from what I've seen, when he has struggled in the last few years, 
is when especially the guards and centers are being really, really physical with him and like not really giving him space to run under under blocks or outrun him over the top. Uh, so I would be trying to get real in his face as fast as I can to make it a real physical game. All right, he is Ray Roberts, joins us every single time on the huddle for In the Trenches with Ray Roberts. Ray, thanks so much. Yeah, peace out, homies. See ya. <laughs> All right, you can hear Ray on the pregame show with Michael Bumpus. Um, coming up next, someone you'll also be hearing during this game, the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel, joins us. This is the huddle. You are listening to the huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, Stacey Rost, and joining us now, the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel. Rabes, how's it going? Good, Stacey. How are you? Uh, I'm well, I'm, I'm, uh, I was going to say I'm hanging in there. I've literally had nothing going on. No challenges. It's a wonderful week. Um, although, although we are bouncing back from back-to-back Seahawks losses where raves, they've struggled both times against the run. Are you seeing, you know, any patterns when it comes to that? What do you see when you look down on the field? Yeah, I'm seeing us not stop the run. Um, you know, that's, <laughs> that's kind of an unscientific term. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure, as Dave would probably say, because we're not in those meetings, we don't know exactly what the particular call is and who's got exactly yeah. what responsibility. But, you know, the bottom line is we're just not doing a very good job of it. Guys aren't, aren't filling their gaps. Uh, guys have an opportunity to make plays and at times don't make the tackle, which, you know, lets the play go instead of could have been stopped for four or five, goes on for 18 or 20 or 86. So, um, you know, I think it's, it's actually it's, it's, it's not that complicated in the overall picture. It's just execution. Uh, I, I don't think it's as much about design, uh, although they may have a few, uh, Pete and the defensive coaches may have a few things they want to do this week that, that, that are a little bit different against the Rams, perhaps. But still, you know, there's only so many things you can do in these defenses. And, and unless you're going to change out personnel, which you're not going to do this time of the season. And I think you have the guys there. They proved it a few weeks ago. They've got the guys that can play the defense. We just have to play it better. Steve, I'm asking you to go way back to your rookie year. Uh-oh. Oh, my God. <laughs> Maybe not that far back, Rapes. Yeah, wow. back to your – well, Rapes has been here from the very beginning, guys. You really, realize yeah. that's 1976. Yeah. And I'm not sure if you remember, but um, as far as – you know, they're talking about the rookie wall and things like that. And I didn't really play my rookie year. I was on – injury reserve most of the time but um some of these guys we're talking to abe lucas we're talking to you know Tariq woolen do you remember uh how different it was because you know, the, the conversation i had with with lucas is that i liked it better i didn't mind the long season it's because i didn't have to do homework and things like that i mean your whole job is football right <laughs> yeah um and i'll tell you dave that, that those first couple of years Remember, we played six preseason games. Oh, that's right. So that's there was right. half of my college season before anything even counted. So when we got past the month of September, we were already hitting the wall. We were at, we were at you know, all those games at that point. And there were so many of us rookies on the team that, you know, all of us played all the time in preseason. And then once the season started, I, I don't, so I don't remember specifically those things. I just, one of the things I do remember is how, Toward the end of the season, I, you know, you're always playing with bumps and bruises and nicks and stuff. But I, I remember really pulling my groin muscle a, a real bad at practice one day. And um, uh, we were getting ready to play, I think, the Giants back east toward the end of the season. So it was cold and we were outside. We didn't have an indoor facility. And 
So, you know, you're trying like crazy the rest of the week to do what you need to do to be able to play uh, short of, and since none of those people are still around anymore, short of getting shots uh, for just the pain, in which case you could do more damage than you thought. Um, uh, you know, those were the things I remember, that you just kind of so beat up by the end of all those games. And we weren't very good at learning how to take care of ourselves. I mean, these guys today have, uh, DK was talking about that oxygen tank that he goes and sits in or whatever it's called, a barometric bear bear of something chamber. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah that thing. Uh, you know, our, our, the way we, the way we treated ourselves was, you know, you go down to Hector's and have a beer and yeah. that was kind of <laughs> it. Uh, so, so it's just changed so much, but yeah, I do remember a little bit of that rookie season and, and uh, not a lot of it was that memorable. And I'll tell you something else, Dave, I remember was, I didn't think, even though I was a you know a bonus pick in the second round in that very first year, I never thought I had it made after the season was over and that we were gonna you know go away and come back for the after the off season and all that. I still never thought I had a position on this team. I always felt like I had to keep working to keep that job. Hey Raves, um, I love looking at matchups um, throughout the week and every week. And this week, of course, the matchup I'm going to be looking at is DK and Jalen Ramsey, two of the most alpha men out there. They're going to talk a little bit. It should be intense. Do you think the Rams are going to have Jalen follow DK, or do you think that um, he'll stick to his side of the field? I I think they follow him. Uh, As I remember, didn't they do that a fair amount last year? Didn't they follow him around? Didn't they they Ramsey follow him? Yeah. Yeah. It would not surprise me if they did. I mean, remember all the things that – all of the things that are going on with the Rams. And all of the people that are hurt, in, including Aaron Donald, they're you know the, the, one of the best defensive players in all of football. Uh, they still have a pretty good defensive team. They can still bring pressure to, on the quarterback. They can still shut down the run. They're good in the red zone. They do a lot of things really well. They're secondary. Uh, you know, they have a couple of younger guys back there, but but Jalen Ramsey's been in this game for a while, and Taylor Rapp. These guys know how to play. So uh, I, I think they're going to do what a lot of teams. Do what's your biggest weapon uh, in the passing game, and for the Seahawks, that would be that would be uh, DK. Not that Tyler isn't, but you know you got some other guys that they feel like I think size-wise and everything can match up with Tyler. But I I expect that to be a pretty good battle, and and what they will hope to do is take him out of the picture, and now that means that one fewer weapon that the Seahawks have, and now force us to try to run the ball, which we haven't done very well the last couple of weeks. Hey, Raves, you know, we were talking about this yesterday on our show that, you know, and look, I don't know how much this happens to other teams, but for the Seahawks, it seems like we've gotten a fair amount of luck, you know, going into this game with uh, three players missing that are big ones. I mean, Aaron Donald, is this the first game that he's missed, I think, or something like yeah, that? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. And and then, because you know, an injury, no, yeah. yeah, no Matthew Stafford, uh, no Cooper Cup, and then, you know, earlier I, I was looking back at some of the we faced three teams without kickers, um, but I don't know. I to me that's still uh, you know even though you don't have Aaron Donald, all those you know those uh, players, I don't think by any means that makes it a cakewalk for you. I, I still think that it's going to be a really tough game because it seems like no matter what the Rams have always stepped up and given the the Seahawks trouble over the last ten or twelve years. Oh, without question, and and. A lot of it is, yes, it's, it's, they have some really terrific players, but a lot of it, they just really scheme up some, th- some things. Sean McVay does a really great job of, of, you know, 
week in and week out, kind of scheming things a little bit differently, adding a new twist here, a nuance there. Um, you know, before there was Cooper Cup, there was Robert Woods. I mean, these guys have had really good receivers coming down the pike and found a way to get them the football. And, oh, by the way, they probably are going to run the ball a little bit as well. I mean, they, you know, they, they don't have Daryl Henderson, which, which uh, surprised me a little that they let him go. But Cam Akers can run the football. And, uh, and, you know, if they put Bryce Perkins in there at quarterback, he can move around pretty well. So can John Walford. Uh, so the two quarterbacks uh, are more, certainly more mobile than Matthew Stafford. So, listen, uh, there's nobody on the Seahawks feeling sorry for him, I guarantee you, for, uh, for the Rams. Uh, they've got, they've still got a lot of good players and, and they will really try to come up with some things that I'm sure you and I, Dave, in the booth will say, wow, that's, that's something the Seahawks need to address. And when they leave the field at halftime, we'll say, yeah, they've, they've got to make some adjustments to what the Rams are doing. It happens every week. Raves, is it just as simple as the Seahawks finding a run game that is the key to victory? I mean, you look at the Rams' offense, they don't have much. You're going to have a young quarterback, two receivers gone. Uh, you, you mentioned Cam Akers, but a game like this, I feel like the Seahawks should just focus on something they need to do to win the game. Um, how do you feel about that? Well, I, I agree with you. And, and I think, you know, in every conversation that we've ever had with Pete, and, and you guys know well enough, you know Pete, uh, it all begins with the run and the ability to stop the run. Um, and we haven't done either of them the last few weeks. But to get our running game going uh, is one of those things that then loosens everything else up for Geno in the passing game. It also means you're controlling the clock a little bit more. We've lost the time of possession in the last two games because we haven't had the offense on the field as much. Part of that is the defense couldn't get off the field. Part of it was the offense isn't converting on third down because they're looking at third and 10, third and 12 because you're getting stopped for no gain or a half a yard on first down. So the run game has to be better. Uh, the defense for the Rams, you know, Aaron Donald, he, he's a load. But we all know, too, we've watched him. He makes decisions at the snap of the ball that sometimes take him right out of the play because he's so good he tries to run around the block or whatever. Now, yeah, he'll overpower you. But Greg Gaines is a load right in the middle. Uh, Marquise Copeland is playing pretty well, and Leonard Floyd can come off the edge with the best of them and make a tackle in the backfield. So the Seahawks are going to have their work cut out for them, but I agree, Bump. We have to run the football better for all those reasons. And, and then if you do, you start to wear this defense down a little bit, the Rams, and maybe you're the one who's popping those big, long runs uh, like we know Ken Walker can do at the end of the game. Let's hope that's the case. He is the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel. You can hear him on the call this weekend alongside Dave Wyman. Thanks, Rabes. All right, guys. See you later. See ya. All right. This is the huddle coming up next, taking a step across enemy lines for an opponent preview with Jordan Rodriguez. You are listening to the huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, and Stacey. Us now for an opponent preview is Jordan Rodriguez of The Athletic. And Jordan, it is not the season the Rams have wanted. Tell me how far off base I am. I feel like my understanding of this team is everything that could have gone wrong did, and it just happened on one side of the ball. I mean, is that kind of, does that sum up the season or what's been the uh, impetus behind their problems out there? Um, almost everything that could have gone wrong uh, has gone wrong. Yes, Sean McVay even did get hit in the face on the sideline <laughs> oh, last God. week. But on a positive note, um, the, the entire state, has not somehow broken off from the rest of the continent and floated into the ocean. So it's looking up <laughs> out here, frankly. It's not so bad. 
Hey, Jordan, you guys have um, one of our greats, Bobby Wagner, over there. It looks kind of weird seeing him in the 4-5 and not the 5-4. Um, how has he played for you guys? Um, how has he embraced the L.A. lifestyle? Well, I probably could not even feel, uh, you know, t- I couldn't talk enough about how phenomenal Bobby has been um, here in Los Angeles. As you guys know, it was a bit of a homecoming of sorts for him in terms of his hometown and, and where his, his family is um, after making such a, a special place in the home for himself up in Seattle for so long. And he's been outstanding. I mean, it, it's like, it's kind of like what we joked about earlier. Everything that can has can go wrong has gone wrong for the Rams. And Bobby Wagner is everything that has been right for the Rams. And what I mean by that is not only is he showing up on the field um, with that energy and that intensity. And also I would, I would say too, he's having one of the best seasons in, in his in recent history of his career and probably among one of the top seasons of his career overall in terms of what he's being asked to do for the Rams ranked number one right now by pro football focus among all inside linebackers leads the team in tackles and solo tackles is calling a defense that he just, you know, learned for the first time this season after playing in a different system for the last decade was named a captain in his first season. Um, just an outstanding year for him. Obviously, things are not going great for the team itself. So kind of he's, he's sort of thriving among the wreckage right now. Um, but the Rams have really leaned on him. And I think you guys know this so well about him, too, is whatever happens, good or bad, he sort of just stays consistent. He stays the same. He's the same person for the people who need him every single day when he walks into the building. And even people like Sean McVay are, are, are turning to him, leaning on him as a leader, but also someone who they can learn from. And I think that says so much about who a person is and how special they are when not only you're seeing just outstanding production on the field, um, just absolute key cog in the Rams. Only The only good thing that this Rams team is doing is stopping the run. They're number one in EPA in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. And he's a big part of that. His fingerprints are all over that with the way that he diagnoses the run and the way he tackles, the way that he can, you know, shed blocks and, and move in, in those gaps. And at the same time, you know, it's not about that for him. It's about making sure that everybody is together. Everybody is still fighting to the end. And this is a guy who this season is an absolute train wreck for the Rams. And you're, you're going to see this guy absolutely fighting, snapping and snap out to the end. Yeah. He's one of those things where like, you don't, you root for, you know, the success of a team if you're a fan, but I think a lot of Seahawks fans are going to be, you know, hey, maybe uh, if there's a, you know, double-digit lead at any point, Bobby can get a sack and I can cheer for it. Like, I think that's how people are feeling. He was so beloved here, not just by fans, but I, I don't know a single person, Jordan, and I'm so happy to hear this from you. I don't know a single person up here in the media who whoever had an issue with Bobby or, or didn't genuinely root for him. He's just such a well-liked guy. Um, I'm uh, I'm a bit curious. Can you tell us a bit about um, the offense we're going to be seeing? Because with no Stafford, presumably, no Cooper <laughs> Cup, no Allen Robinson, I'm not as familiar with this team. So, so who are maybe, you know, a top target we might see? You know, who, who might we see at running back? And, and who are we going to see at quarterback? Uh, well, um, a lot of these guys are meeting each other for the first time as oh, well. No. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> No, I mean, all, all jokes, it's guys, it's been a disaster, but all, all jokes aside, um, you know, the Rams, so first and foremost, the Rams have had to, to figure out, you know, how to at least, you know, function behind what has happened to them on the offensive line. They've started 11 different iterations of their offensive line in 11 games because they've lost 16 linemen through the course of the year to injury. So when I tell you, 
they're meeting each other for the first time, uh, that's in that room, that is extremely true. Um, and, you know, Bryce Perkins and John Walford have been splitting reps in practice so far this week. Um, I, I have to think that the Rams are going to try to do a couple of change of pace looks between both quarterbacks because John Walford was not healthy against Kansas City. And I think they just want to try to give Seattle as much to prepare for as possible, considering the circumstances are what they are have also started running the ball a little bit better in the last couple of weeks. That's something that they've not had an identity with for a couple of years, really, truly a, a consistent identity since the Todd Gurley era. And they've been just struggling injuries and, um, you know, the, 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 the scheme changes that they've been going through and trying to figure out what a committee looks like between running backs. Um, now they think they've sort of established who they'd like their guys to be, at least through the rest of the end of the season in Cam Akers and Kyron Williams. And then in the receiving game, um, you know, like I said, again, uh, pretty messy in there. You, you don't have Cooper Cup, who accounted for a third of your scrimmage yards until he got hurt. Um, you don't have Allen Robinson, who then had taken over as the one and was producing pretty well. And so now Van Jefferson, third-year receiver, who spent most of the first part of the year um, on injured reserve because he had two knee surgeries this offseason. Um, so if it sounds crazy, it, it is crazy, guys, but Van Jefferson – um, and, and he's going to probably step into the one behind him. It, it's guys who, you know, you're looking at second year players, journeymen, undrafted free agents, guys who are really, like I said, fighting hard, working really, really hard. But it just really depends on, on um, you know, the level of talent and what the Rams are able to do, probably a little bit more creatively um, than in terms of depending on the talent itself. Jordan, you mentioned all the, the injuries that are going on, especially in that receiver room. You lose Cup, you got. Um... Robinson, who was gone. You mentioned Van Jefferson, but I'm curious about Tutu Atwell. Uh, when you guys drafted him last year, that was a guy that I thought the Hawks were going to go after. Instead, they go after D. Eskridge. He's played in seven games this year, only been targeted seven times. Do you feel like this is an opportunity for him to kind of step up and, and make a name for himself in this program? I think he has to, right? Like Because there, are, there have been times he was completely a non-participant in the offense. Um, in his rookie season and then went on injured reserve. Um, and he was even to the point, you know, he was having trouble finding a role for himself when, you know, Matthew Stafford was playing, when the receivers are healthy, when the, the full, the, the, you know, the fullest iteration of this offense was actually um, not functioning because it never was functioning, but in place at least. And he was a healthy scratch through those games. And so he absolutely has to carve a role for himself because the Rams at, at a certain point, they're going to decide, you know, through these next seven games, who is going to stick around and who is not. And I think Tutu Atwell is someone who he's got so much speed and he just can get behind a defense so well. But where he struggles is you can't really you can't really go tempo when he's on the field, somewhat ironically, because you have to sub him in and out on rundowns. Um, just his his uh, lightness of frame just not going to make a huge uh, impact the way that the Rams need their receivers and historically have needed their receivers to do within a Sean McVay system. So you're, you're already limiting his downs. He doesn't play special teams. So you're limiting his downs even more and he can't get in the flow of the game. And then you want to make sure you're finding creative ways to get him involved where it's not just very clear that he's only going to be running goes. And what I mean by all of that is I thought he played really well last week. He converted a fourth and two, got into space, in a sort of a shorter range, mid range route. And Bryce Perkins found him downfield. And I think that's what I'd like to see more of out of Tutu Atwell, the short range stuff, the mid range stuff, the, the sweeps, the misdirection. He's got all the speed in the world. It's just funneling it in the cor correct direction, like I said, creatively. 
And then what he does with the opportunity he's about to get, I think that's going to be crucial for his future here. She is Jordan Rodriguez of The Athletic. We love her coverage of this team. And uh, a nice preview. I know it's just the, the hot mess express out there, but this is still a really fascinating <laughs> team. And obviously we root personally for Bobby. So it'll be really fascinating and, and kind of cool to see this reunion on Sunday, Jordan. Yeah, it's neat. I, I think it's like, it's an all, it's kind of a, it's a very special to hear stories from the fan base about Bobby and, um, you know, I, I was fortunate to write a, an in-depth feature on him early in the year about what coming back to Los Angeles meant and um, playing in the stadium that's 200 feet away from where his mother is buried and how impactful that is for him. And I just have to, t- I just have to tell you guys, you, you, you know it better than anyone. You're not surprised by this. One of the most remarkable people I've ever met. And I think Los Angeles is lucky to have him in Seattle is lucky to still have him um, as, as I know, he keeps Seattle in his heart very closely. Yeah, truly, truly. And I, I had to keep us from going off the rails because there was a, a press conference. He had when you talked about his dedication to just routine, he is for, for 10 years. You know what I mean? Like he is just, that's how you stay great. And we had an entire press conference up here a couple of years ago, bump. I don't know if you remember this. It was kind of taken off the rails when he started talking about what he eats every day. He eats the same thing every day in the same place every day. And, and reporters were like, wait, what? Then what do you have for lunch? Like, it just completely <laughs> derailed it. But he's a really, really cool guy. So we love hearing that. And Jordan, thank you again for Thanks, joining Jordan. us. You guys, thank you so much for having me. Appreciate you. All right, that was our opponent preview. Joining us next, John Boyle. This is The Huddle. This is The Huddle with Dave Wyman, Michael Bumpus, Stacey Rost. And joining us now, John Boyle, who covers the Seahawks for Seahawks.com. John, it was an ugly one. I was hoping that we'd see this defense bounce back after Tampa Bay. There were all these extenuating circumstances. Yeah. You know, bad field, you're in Germany, you didn't get a lot of sleep, and then you saw the run defense struggle again. Yeah, that was tough, and I think that's something Pete Carroll addressed this week of it's a little troubling that it happened twice in a row. As yeah. you said, there's a lot of extenuating circumstances. You weren't expecting Tampa to run. They did. Hats off to them. That's an easy one to kind of write off, go into your buy, and feel like, okay, we're, we're good, but it was a little rough the way things went down. And it was interesting because actually, if you go back and watch the first couple series, they played the run pretty good. Then you had that interception, and then the next play is a 30-yard touchdown. And from then on out, it was, yep. it was pretty rough on the defense. Oh, my turn? Uh, you? I mean, no, you, you go, ahead. Don't, go all, ahead. don't all fight at once. Okay. Right. <laughs> I'll ask again. <laughs> so um, we, we talked about them defending the run. Pete says like they gave Devontae a bit more attention than they probably should have. When they go into this game, is it just, all right, play your game? Because you, their run game isn't great. They got a bunch. I'm talking about Rams. Rams yeah. got a bunch of receivers hurt. Is it just, let's line up and run what we want to run, or do you focus somewhere in this game? I would think so. I mean, to your point, there's not, you know, they're not going to take the Rams lightly. Pete Carroll's got way too much respect for Sean McVay, and look, the, the Rams have had their number for a number of years now. Yeah. So you don't go into this game just thinking, oh, these guys are missing. It's going to be easy. But I do think, to your point, there's not those, like, field tilting, you know, if Cooper Cup was out there or whoever, that it's like, okay, we got to take care of that guy. I think it, this is very much a let's get back to our fundamentals, get our scheme right, and do our thing and make them beat us at what we want to do. Right. Yeah, I was watching Clint Hurt. He seems to be uh, maybe a little on the annoyed side, which I don't yeah. blame him. You know, it, it just seems like, uh, you know, he's up there trying to explain, like, and Pete always says this, it's about the team that does right the longest, right? Mm-hmm. And is it is it uh, particularly frustrating for, uh, I mean, this week, have you noticed that he's a little bit more than usual? I think so. I mean, you could, he, he's a guy that wears his emotions on his sleeve a little bit. So, like, you can tell week to week in a press conference or whatever, like, 
if the defense is playing poorly or if they're playing well, he, he tends to be open about that. He's not a guy who's just going to be this mundane, level-headed guy every week. It's, mm-hmm. He's going to tell you if he thinks his defense played poorly, and he's going to tell you if they're playing well. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, Clint takes this hard when it's – he takes it personally when it's not going well, and it obviously has not been the past two weeks. We spoke with Trey Brown earlier, who's really excited to mm-hmm. get back back out there for even more snaps. Um, do you expect to see him out there for more against the Rams? I mean, I would think so, just based on the way Pete Carroll ad- answered that question. I mean, he said, yeah, we want to see him play more. Now, he only played, I think, three defensive yeah. snaps, so more could be one longer series. But I do think they want to give him a longer look. It's tricky, though, because Mike Jackson has not given up that spot without a fight. He's They've thrown other guys out there throughout the year, whether it was Sidney Jones when he was here, Artie mm-hmm. Burns. And, you know, I, I just think Mike has played really solid all year. So it's not a situation where you feel like you need to replace the guy there. If they're going to change, make a change there, Trey's going to have to play really well and take it away from Mike. Yeah. He signed a uh, safety. Was it? Um, John Abram. John Abram. Uh, Jonathan. Sorry. Jonathan. I don't know if he prefers Jonathan. That's John or Jonathan. He'll, call him. he'll let us know. And I really like the move. I know it didn't work out in, in Las Vegas or Oakland for him. Uh, but that's a depth move. Obviously, when Ryan Neal went down, Josh Jones comes in, and you're kind of saying, all right, I see where the fall-off is a little bit. If this were to be a long-term thing, they want to have a plan. How soon should we expect to see him on the field? Yeah, you know, I think he's a guy that special teams, you could probably get him out there right away. I mean, he's a pretty good size, athletic guy. He fits the profile really well of a special teams kind of player. So I, I know he has some background on that, just looking at the, the playing time numbers. He played a decent amount of special teams. So... I, I wouldn't be surprised if you get him active and do that with him right away, but I think getting him up to speed in terms of everything they want to do at safety and all the scheme that he might need a little time there, but it does just give you a really good athlete. A guy, you know, it was the first round pick. There was a lot of upside there. So it's a guy you can just kind of let sit there and develop and you hope it works out and maybe you kind of steal a talented player for helping you down the road. You know, this is on behalf of all metal linebackers that ever played in the NFL. Why isn't there a big deal, more of a big deal about the playing Bobby Wagner? I mean, we, we made a big deal when we were playing Russ. What's the middle linebacker just as important as a quarterback? I mean, you could go to Seahawks.com and see a nice story and a Seahawks daily <laughs> video Shout that Seahawks. Jen Mueller com. did. So. Right. Other we're, than you. I've seen a few stories. But, yeah, I mean, I think it'll be a bigger deal when he comes here. I think that's yeah. why. Like, I think most people are looking at it as, like, they'll play him twice. He's going to kind of have that homecoming game here, and that will probably be the bigger deal in terms of media and for fans. But – I think for the players and for Pete Carroll, it's a you know they try it's a big thing of Pete Carroll to not make a not treat every or any game differently, treat them all the same, et cetera. But there's still gonna be some emotion there. I mean, this guy meant a ton to the franchise. Yeah. He was here a decade, you know, without a doubt, one of the best players to ever put on CX uniform. So it'll be you know they'll probably be a little pregame or postgame emotional moments, but. Once the game starts, there, you know, as DK Metcalf said, you know, he's just going to be another opponent. Yeah, Bump he's... and I had a theory. I'm sorry to interrupt, Dave. Bump and I had a theory um, that it might be because of where the Rams are, like they're standing as a team, that when Russell Wilson came here, it was like everyone thought the Broncos are going to win. Yeah. Just I, I, without a I doubt. I could see that, yeah. I mean, that's the beginning of the year. Both teams are starting on even footing. And at that point, everyone looked at the Broncos as being this potential AFC powerhouse. And you're right. I mean, the Rams, unfortunately for them, have had just – Brutal injuries, and it's been a tough go for them. But, yeah, I do think we'll see a little more buzz about it when he's coming here in Week 17. Any concerns with Ken Walker and hitting that, I'm doing air quotes, guys, rookie <laughs> wall, or do you think that's just the NFL season, good I weeks, bad weeks? Yeah, I just think you're going to run into defenses that make it tougher than others, and they didn't block it very well. We've heard from multiple coaches, and, you know, Austin Blythe after the game was hard on himself. It, 
there's going to be games that teams beat you up front, and that we've seen that the last couple of weeks. But I don't really think that's Ked Walker. Yes, there are opportunities. There's runs. I mean, part of what makes him so dangerous, the elusiveness can come back to bite him sometimes when he doesn't take the sure yards that are there. Right. But overall, I don't look at the lack of production the last couple of weeks from the run game and put very much of that on him. Uh, we have a minute left here to wrap up. Figured we could do a roundtable question. Um, really, really easy one. Uh, in order to increase your confidence in the Seahawks' push for the playoffs, what's something that you would see against the Rams that would make you feel more confident about this team? I'll start with John and then Wyman Bump. Yeah. I want to see the pass rush get going again. That four-game win streak, they had 19 sacks. They got one the last two weeks. Some of that, you know, there's some cause and effect there when you're playing from ahead and teams have to throw, you're going to get after them more. But still, like you can't, you can't have one sack in two games yeah. and expect to play your best defensively. Wyman? Yeah, I'm going to go with that, too. It's, it's ridiculous how absent the, the pass rush has been. It's okay with Brady because Tom Brady gets the ball out and he mm-hmm. never gets sacked. But, you know, going up against Derek Carr, you should get a, a little bit more. So, And, you know, Daryl Taylor, I'm not sure what kind of shape he is in and everything, but, I mean, he needs to show up. He needs to show up as a as a pass rusher. Um, what you got? Um, I agree with those guys. Just to switch it up, I'm just going to say, Gino, take care of the football in those clutch moments. Two weeks in a row where you felt like the Hawks were about to score and change the momentum of the game, and he turns the ball over. All right, he is John Boyle. Thank you again, John, for joining us. You can read John's work at Seahawks.com. This has been The Huddle. <laughs>